0: Welcome to this podcast. Hello everyone, my name is Friedrich van Nieuwenhuizen, and welcome to the podcast Agility Humanity. We are exploring anything on the intersection of agility and humanity. Our statement is that humanity is as essential as agility. You can learn a lot by listening in to the conversations with my guests. So, relax and enjoy the show. So, hello everyone, my name is Frederik van Ieuwenhuizen and welcome back to the podcast. In this episode we have as our guest Peter Stevens. Peter is creator of the Personal Agility System. He's an executive coach, certified scrum trainer, author and a keynote speaker based in Zurich, Switzerland. Already in a previous episode we touched upon Personal Agility and Peter was explaining what it is about. In a nutshell, a personal agility system is a coaching framework, and it all starts with the question: what really matters? So, Peter, nice to have you back. Glad to be back. What would you still like to say about a personal agility system as a very brief introduction for people who are not yet familiar
1: okay. with it? Okay. So let's um, let's just take a, take a quick look at, at the key elements of it. Um, I like to call personal agility a coaching based framework to align what you do with what really matters. Okay, and that's a difference that we've just introduced recently because a coaching framework is going to teach you how to coach, okay, how to help individuals solve their problems. A coaching based framework, we use the tools of coaching, but we have a slightly different purpose. The idea is to create alignment first for yourself between what you really care about, what really matters, and what you do. But it also gives us tools to, you know, kind of build, um, build alignment in a larger community, like among your stakeholders or in your family or within your team. So, you know, if we look at personal agility, for me, there are five elements. Uh, the first is purpose. OK, you know, understanding what really matters. Um, and the idea is to do more of the stuff you care about and less of the stuff you don't. Um, celebration. Celebrate what you got done. Uh, It's so easy to spend your time beating yourself up for the stuff that you didn't do, but what actually brings you forward and what's good for your motivation is celebrating what what you got done. So you celebrate what you got done, even if it's different than what you thought you were gonna do this week. Life happens faster than you can plan. Then choice, okay, we all have too much to do. So of all the things we could do, some of them matter, some of them are important, some of them are urgent, some of them are gonna make you happy, and yes, the ones that make you happy You know, they count too. You get to do things just because they make you happy. And so the idea is choose to do the ones that matter first for whatever reason, okay? Then we talk about emergence. Now, emergence is a really powerful concept. It explains how small things come together to make bigger things, like individual hydrogen and and oxygen molecules come together to make water, or water and fabric comes together to make this thing called wet. Well, it turns out emergence is, is a you know, appears to be a really fundamental principle of the universe that explains everything from the very small to the, you know, microscopically small to the astronomically huge. And emergence also happens in people, like with families or neighborhoods or townships or teams or countries or companies. All of these things are emergent properties. And so, you know, emergence is about becoming, okay? And so what we're trying to do is shape how things become. You shape how you become, but you also interact, okay? This is where the coaching comes in is you, know, you interact with the people around you to shape how things emerge, you know, so that they take a direction that, that, you want them to, uh, that you want them to take. So we introduce purpose into the emergence. And then finally, kindness. Now it's funny, I didn't set out to create a system that was kind, but anybody who knows the retrospective prime directive knows that everybody is doing the best they can, even if things didn't turn out well. And it turns out that personal agility, because, you know, we listen before we talk, you know, we ask powerful questions and really listen to the answers. It turns out that fosters an attitude of kindness first to yourself, then to others. And it's somehow contagious. And so I would call kindness an emergent property of personal agility, um, which is and this is also something that really resonates with people, because, as I say, so many people are so hard on themselves and it's so easy to focus on the things that you didn't do. And... um, you know as as uh, the doctor would say try to be nice but if you can't be nice be kind and somehow that's a natural thing that that follows from doing personal agility
0: so kindness as an emergent property of a personal agility system. yeah it sounds yeah. absolutely wonderful but then of course i need to ask the question uh, from a framework and a theoretical <laughs> perspective it does sound very nice but could you you know? Tell our listeners a bit about actual successes or some some evidence that how this framework really helps people.
1: Okay, you know I, I can hear all the CEOs in the back of the back of the audience saying, "Why should I be nice to my staff? They work so much better when I drive them like robots." Uh, I don't know. <laughs> let's let so maybe let's take a co- look at a couple of cases for me. Um, so the one that really got my attention was the case of Sharon. Now, Sharon was a woman in, uh, or is a woman, she's still there uh, in the US, she was a single mother. um, And she met uh, Maria uh, because she was an Uber driver. And driving an Uber was uh, was one of about six jobs that she was doing all at once. And she was really challenged You know, just making ends meet. Okay, and an unexpected $400 bill uh, would be a disaster. So, like, um, well, actually, in fact, it was a disaster. She missed a car payment, and her car was confiscated. Okay, I mean, by the uh, mortgage company, and she paid huge amounts of money to the banks every month. You know, I I think we, we added it up. It came to about half a month's income was was going to the bank and bank fees. And, you know, she had uh, she met Maria, uh, as I say, as an Uber driver, Maria came home, you know, had gotten home from a flight traveling to I don't know where. And somehow she launched on to Maria and said, this woman's you know, got to be my salvation. And she convinced uh, Maria to work with her. And they did a video together. She wanted to be a caterer. That was her dream. And so Maria coached her, you know, both on personal agility, but, you know, also kind of business mentoring and coaching, provided some microcredits when that was necessary. And a year later, Sharon had completely turned her life around. You know, she went from struggling to keep her, you know, keep herself above water to really able to earn her living, um, you know, with, with a six-figure income, which is kind of the dream of every American is to have a six-figure income. And she made this turnaround in a year. Um, and what was interesting is, is, after that year well not only you know this was before the before the shutdown and even though she was a caterer she had managed to secure her income for the next year that is for 20 well for this year for 2021 our no, sorry for 2020 would be at least as good as the previous year okay and this year she's often running to win a national you know she's in a national competition for the best caterer or something like that and last i heard she was in, she was in the final round um you know and she's also been able to, so you know kind of it, go, it goes on and on and on what she's been able to do as she takes it to the next level um and her case remember we remember in our previous broadcast we talked about saying thank you well i met her because i went to visit maria last year uh in january to to work on the last chapter to finish the book that was our goal Book still isn't finished, but we have high hopes of finishing it this year. Um, she, um, Maria said, oh, by the way, there's this woman, Sharon. She'd like, to, um, uh, you know, she'd like to invite you out for dinner. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Well, you know, why does she want to do that? Well, she wants to say thank you because personal agility had just made such a huge difference in her life. She, she felt the need to say thank you for it. And so the, my wife was traveling with me, so the four of us had dinner, which Sharon made. She, Sharon is a fabulous cook, by the way. Uh, so, you know, if you're if you're looking for a... Um, am I allowed to mention the culinary queen on, uh, on this podcast? Well, probably not, but I did anyway. Um, anyway, she, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that was great. And this was like, wow. And so after I came back uh, came back to Switzerland and uh, I was researching, couldn't pay a $400 bill. Well, it turns out that's something you ask Americans, you know, there, there are polls about that, you know, once every year or so, how many people can't handle or can't easily handle an unexpected $400 bill. And the numbers that I came up with pretty consistent all before the before the shutdown and the pandemic and everything, a third of the country, okay? Now the U.S. is like over 300 million people. So we're talking 100 million people can't handle an unexpected $400 bill. And if you increase that to $1,000, that's um, 60% of the country, okay? So, you know, potentially, you know, there are hundreds of millions of people just in the States Uh, like Sharon who could turn their lives around. Okay. And that's where I said, this is what I need to work on. This, this was enough proof for me. Now I'm kind of a, you know, I, I see a pattern that works and I latch onto it. I say, let's, let's try to replicate this. And one of the things that we realized is that we needed to write, you know, case studies, we needed to document what was happening. Yes. And since then, you know, we've documented cases from students getting started, um, you know, kind of finishing their degree, dealing with the challenges of entering the real world. Uh, we got two cases of executive management, um, one, a startup in the U.S. that accelerated their success by a factor of two. Um, they hit their target valuation after 18 months instead of three years. Uh, case here in Switzerland of a company that was kind of teetering on the brink of financial disaster and managed to turn it around. Um, one case which has been, emerging, has been emerging recently is all of a sudden we're finding people who were unemployed and looked struggling to find a job and all of a sudden they've turned their bolts around and not only found a job, but they've gotten their lives together and they found not just jobs, but they found great jobs. Uh, one is an executive director at a um, uh, major hospital chain in the US, uh, the other got a job as an engineering manager uh, responsible for, I don't know, 35 or 40 people here in Switzerland. Um, you know, and in each case, there, there was a personal turnaround that accompanied that. in fact, what, what the, one of our suspicions is the—you um, um, know—in order to find a job, first you need to find yourself, or maybe you need to work on yourself before you work on your resume. Um, you know, if you lose your job unexpectedly, what happens? Well, you had a calendar that was full, 40 hours a week, you know, with work given to you by your employer. Um, unless you work in India, when it's probably more like 12 hours a day, we, we won't do the math there, you know, and, and you know, all of a sudden you don't have a job and you say, what am I gonna do? Where's my identity, okay? And so th- there's actually kind of a need to put yourself back together so that you become someone who someone wants to employ. And so it's, it's, I guess it's kind of a coincidence, but you know, we had these two cases that came spontaneously, and then we have a new ambassador, a woman named uh, Adelina Stefan here in Switzerland. Um, And she's actually been working with the unemployed and started doing personal agility totally under the radar. And all of a sudden, you know, we've got about three or four cases that are gonna be, um, you know, that we're gonna be documenting as case studies. One of them, uh, the engineering manager, uh, we've already documented. uh, Tony LaForgia from Schreiner's Hospital uh, was on our round table. So there's a video of that somewhere. Um, so anyway, so all of these people are kind of turning, turning their lives around. And so, you know, we see it over and over again that the personal agility really does have, does enable real transformation, you know, for people who want to do that.
0: Yeah, that, that's very interesting. And thank you for sharing the stories. Uh, one question is coming up for me uh, right now is... Uh, people who went through this journey when you start to do start practicing personal agility is this something to really get the benefits that you do on your own uh, or do you need some active guidance or, or support or, or coaching uh when 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 you when you practice uh, personal agility how, how how does that how does that work uh, also refer, referring to the, the the stories that you just shared
1: Okay, so one of the things that we're noticing is that our documented successes often have coaching involved, okay? And one of the interesting things is, you know, when you're working with someone else, things can emerge. Um, And it's much easier to do that when you're doing it, even just two people, Um, maybe three people, you know, depending on the context. Um, If you want to do something, you know, it's like look at students. You know, students deal with procrastination a lot okay you know they've got to study but somehow well i can't quite bring myself to study for reasons we're not going to get into um you know so they don't do it and then they get behind you know and then the further behind they get the harder it is to get started so what do students do in order to make progress well one of the things they do is they form study groups so they say let's meet in the library and study okay so what do they do they meet in a place where talking is kind of not really um, you know, not really considered socially acceptable. They're there for the purpose of studying. And because the two of them are there, you know, they're kind of, well, it's, it's um, I don't like the term accountability partner because I have problems with the term accountability. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's too much about someone holding up their finger, you know, like, you know, Well, I I, I don't want to name any relatives because I'll insult the other relatives where we have good relationships, but you get the idea, Um, you know, but it's, but it's about, it's about making it fun. Okay. So, you know, you go down, you meet your friend, you have a cup of coffee and then you study for an hour and say, man, we need a break. And you go outside and you get some fresh air and then you come back, you study for another hour and you've actually done it. Okay. So by doing things with someone else, um, you make it easier to do. So that's one argument for doing it with someone else. Now, I I used to work as professional services manager for MySQL. You know, the, the well, once upon a time, they were an open source database company. And the the founder, I think it was Martin Mikos, you know, he would say, some people invest time in open source software to save money. Other people invest money in proprietary software to save time and reduce risk. Okay. And both of these approaches are, are valid approaches. Okay, so, you know, you can read the book, you can read the guide, you can get started by yourself. And we have actually we have, um, uh, you know, we have documented case studies of people who've done that and been perfectly happy. And other people, you know, really appreciate, you know, the benefits of taking a course or working with a coach, because there they have someone to answer their questions. So you know, it's about having that, uh, that celebration partner, uh, reducing the risk and making the learning easier.
0: So, Peter, you mentioned that uh, people who are looking for a job uh, also using personal agility. What what's the challenge in, in that situation?
1: Okay. Well, you know, the problem is it's really hard to find a job these days. You know, the competition is massive. Okay. You know, for every job application, you know, for every open job, you know, it's so easy to send out a resume that you know, 100 CVs go out for every job, and, and whoever is having to read them has to, you know, filter through this filter through this uh, this deluge. Um, So, you know, for the point of view of the job hunter is you've got to be totally on your game. You've got to be totally focused. You've got to look like you were born for the job. Now the problem is if you're unemployed, especially if you're involuntarily unemployed, as in, you know, you've been part of a layoff, um, well, you know, you've just lost your identity. You know, you're depressed. You're alone. Your calendar is empty. You know, you're you're trapped in the shutdown and, and have hardly any social contact. So, you know, who are you and where do you get your energy from? And know what we've been seeing and this this is again something that's kind of spontaneously emerged is you know we've been seeing cases of people who you know use personal agility as part of their well first i needed to figure out who i am and then um that i was able to work on my resume then i had the strength and the energy to be an attractive job candidate okay so we've seen that kind of you know really in the turnaround and, you know, here in Switzerland, I'm looking forward to really promoting this directly, you know, particularly with the unemployment offices, um, because here they're very supportive of people who are looking for jobs to kind of help them, you know, get back into the, uh, you know, become somebody who an employer wants to employ. Um, and, and the other thing is, you know, if, if we look at how turbulent the economy is, I mean, even without the pandemic, um, you know, companies are always laying off people, you know, and so all of a sudden, again, your calendar is full, you get your, you know, big, Portion of your definition of who you are through your work. All of a sudden, who am I? So I'm actually thinking that the personal agility could be very, very helpful as part of an outplacement program. You know, to help people kind of first, you know, find new purpose in their lives, figure out who they want to be, you know, and then you know, energize themselves and motivate themselves to you know go out and look for a new job. So you know, I'm seeing that this. You know, one of the one of the questions is, you know, what does agility mean outside of IT? Okay, and I think that personal agility is really connecting the dots here, and, and the most obvious way I think is going to be, you know, in, in helping people who are unemployed, or not helping but enabling, you know, helping people, enabling people to find their way so that they can become employable again. And I, I can see that both on the, you know, as they leave to make them stronger when they leave, or you know, if they are out of the employment system to. You know, find themselves and energize themselves and, and really be able to position themselves as someone who a company wants to hire.
0: Okay, that's interesting because uh, I, I also like to ask: Are there any any situations or circumstances in which personal agility, yeah, did, did not really help, uh, uh, or or the con- I don't know certain conditions or circumstances were are were not were not good for people to really get the benefit out of personal agility as they wanted to. What 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 could you say about that?
1: Well, I, I must admit we've been success we've been celebrating our successes more than our failures. <laughs> uh, so I, I mean one thing which I can offer is we've trained. Um, I, I haven't checked the number recently. The last time I looked, it was 150 people have been through our training program. And of those 150 people, about 100 and some have applied for recognition. Yes. Okay. Our recognition program is, um, you know, you have to want it. Okay. We want a personal agility recognized practitioner or PARP or PARP, as they're sometimes amusingly called, um, you know, we want that to be a certification that has high value. And, and hmm. what it means is if you're applying personal agility. You know how to get value out of it. Um, you know how to apply all of the components of it because you've demonstrated that you that you do that in, in real life. Um, so, you know, presumably that other third, they lost interest. Some of that's for reasons that have to do with us. At the beginning, our certification process wasn't too streamlined, and some people said, ah, that's too much work. Um, some people were really only looking for three or four letters to put at the back of their name. And so, oh man, this is work. So, and some of it is, you know, we need to frame better what the, what the requirements are. So I'm hoping that number is gonna go up. Um, you know, a tool, people are different, okay? And, you know, the, the tools of personal agility are ultimately that, you know, they're things that can be helpful. And if they're helpful, you'll do them. And if they're not helpful, you won't, okay? And, you know, if you don't, that's okay. You know, it's, it's you know, some people say, I think this way, and some people say, I don't think this way. And if you don't, that's okay. Um, you know, what we've seen is that there are people, you know, like we, um, Lisa Atkins, you know, the author of Coaching Agile Teams. She saw a talk from Maria and myself, uh, I guess, in the fall of 2018. You know, she saw personal agility, and it was like, wow, this is amazing. And she started doing it, and she's been doing it ever since. You know, and this is this has helped her get value. You know, as she as she sold her company, this this kind of helped her navigate that transition from you know being the, the the owner of a company to being a free agent again. And you know, so if you get value from it, you'll do it. And if you don't get value from it, you won't do it. And if you have a phase where, say, oh man, I'm, I've, I've, you know, I don't feel like doing it, or I'm under too much pressure to do it, you know, that personal agility—we call this the priorities map. Personal agility is like an old friend. We'll be very happy to see you if you knock on the door will not take it personally if you ignore it for a while. Okay, so it's, it's one of the few frameworks where you can not do it and not have to feel guilty because, because it's okay. You know, and if you feel the need for it, you know, it's really just questions to ask yourself and those questions will still be there. So, if the questions are helpful, go ahead and ask them. And uh, I think that's the, that's the question of, you know, is, is it for you?
0: Exactly, uh, understood. Okay, uh, thank you. We're um, a bit approaching the end of our time box. What else would you like to to highlight uh, regarding personal agility uh, and uh, as, as, a, as a takeaway to our listeners?
1: Okay. Well, what I'd like to do is speak an invitation to come check us out. You can find out about our upcoming events. Uh, we now have a number of groups that are ho- hosting regular meetups around personal agility. Um you know, we have a couple, we have a small but growing number of recognized trainers who are offering classes in personal agility. Uh, so I'll have a session starting in June. Um, you know, there are various other people who are, you know, organizing classes, and you'll find them on our homepage. And, um, you know, if you, I'm, I'm actually very open to communication. If you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn or something like that, you know, I will accept your connection. And if you got a question, I'll do my best to answer it. And so, you know, with that, I hope we have some interesting conversations
0: yes and you're writing a book correctly we're writing a book a topic? Yes. okay personal agility um six questions to change
1: your life um we've got a pretty complete release candidate which which is already available for download I uh, see. which you yeah which you can get on it's it's for technical reasons it's on my website uh, satnetwork.ch sat network.ch sat network.ch and um the, our, as I say, we're targeting doing a final update on it and then publishing it somewhere in the third quarter. We'd like to get it out in time for Christmas.
0: Writing the book—where has that been on your priorities map?
1: It's—it's um, it's been up and down. Uh, there are times it's been very high. There are times it's—it's it's very low. Um, you know, the book is a means to an end. Yes. Okay. The book is not the end in itself. And you know, we see what we want to do. You know. Our, our, our vision of the future is a world where more people live more of their lives according to things that matter. Um, you know, just you know, imagine your life where, where more of your life was, was filled with things that, that meant something to you. And concretely, we want to reach a million people. We want to enable a million people to change their lives measurably and obviously for the better. So the book is a means to that end. OK. And so, you know, this past year, you know, we've been focused on building the ambassador network and, you know, being able to share the knowledge, being able to train the knowledge, being able to recognize and celebrate the people who, you know, who have learned the knowledge and, and you know, really make transformations in their own lives. OK. So, you know, at some point it's going to be time to finish the book, you know, but it just hasn't quite re- reached the time. You know, the, the book is done enough. Does, does that make sense?
0: <laughs> uh, yes. OK. So,
1: Yes, but, soon. but it ain't done until it's on Amazon. It's like, I
0: guess how you can, uh, <laughs> how you can phrase it. That could be in the definition of done. That is the definition All right. done, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so thank you so much for the conversation, Peter.
1: Okay, well, thank you again for the invitation. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Hi there, you have been listening to the podcast Agility, Humanity. My name is Frederik van Nieuwenhuizen. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred service. I am creating this podcast in my free time and my own expenses. Creating and publishing this podcast does involve some costs. If you want to support me, please check the podcast page for possibilities. Thank you and hope to hear from you soon.